So you can follow along behind me in your Bible app on your phone or your hard copy Bible in your pew in front of you, starting on page 802. And now we do less physical Bible flipping. Um, if you need a hint, it's the last book in the Old Testament. The so Malachi chapter 2, verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, how will we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them, or by asking, where is the God of justice? Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like the refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old and in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. May God bless the reading of his word. I'd like to now invite Pastor Pat, who will share in tonight's message titled, Impugning God. Thank you, Julie. Good morning, Crossbridge. I'm glad to see each one of you here this morning and some visitors as well. Um, I pray that God's grace and peace is with you all. As we press on in our sermon series, A Wake-Up Call, we plunge deeper yet into Malachi's disputes. And it's my aim to awaken our spirits and to revitalize our connections with the Lord. Last time we learned how our missteps and betrayal can strain our bond with God. Yet we found hope in God's enduring love, a love that mends, heals, and calls us back even when we falter. Together we understood the importance of cherishing our commitments, guarding our hearts, and reflecting God's steadfast faithfulness in our daily lives. Today, we face Malachi's fourth dispute. We consider the implications of impugning God by questioning and challenging His justice. The verses that were just read aloud resonate deeply with our own experiences, our own questions, and our longing for justice. Let me take you back to a pivotal moment in history. Picture a courtroom. The year is 1954 the Supreme Court of the United States, the case Brown v. the Board of Education. The room is filled with anticipation, the air heavy with all of the weight of a nation's history and the hope for a better future. And at its center is the Chief Justice Earl Warren, known for his wisdom and fairness. But the question at hand was a difficult one, a question that cuts to the very heart of justice. In this case, the question was, in segregation, is segregation in public schools constitutional? Now, see, the question wasn't about 
the law or about policy. It was about people. It was about, the, it was about children who were told where and where they could not go to school based on the color of their skin. It was about a society that was wrestling with its own values and its own understanding of justice. And it was about a nation that was waiting, watching, and asking, where is the justice? That scene isn't too far from our reality, right? We've all had moments when we've looked at the world around us and asked, where is the God of justice? We've seen pain, suffering. We've seen injustice, and it's led us to ask this question. But let me assure you that it's okay to have questions. It's okay to have doubts. In fact, it's in wrestling with our questions that we often find the deepest truths. Our passage today in Malachi 2 and 3 echoes this courtroom scene. The people of Israel are questioning God's justice, and God responds not with wrath or anger, but with a promise, a promise of a messenger, a refiner who will purify us and prepare us for the day of judgment. It's a promise that urges us to trust in His justice and commit to righteous living. And all this in spite of our continuing doubts and disputes. Now, as we proceed, please keep this in mind, that God's justice does very seldom does it align with our sense of human justice. But that doesn't mean that God's justice is absent. It's there. It's woven into the fabric of our lives, guiding us, refining us, and drawing us closer to Him. And it's in this promise that we find hope in Jesus Christ, a beacon of light in our ever-darkening world. So let's proceed with hearts and minds that remain open to God's Word. Let's wrestle with our doubts. Let's seek understanding, and let's embrace this refining process that God is doing in yours and my life. Despite our doubts and disputes, God is urging us to trust Him and to commit to living righteously. And in that commitment, we find not just the promise of justice, but the promise of grace, transformation, and a love that never fails. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, open your word to us that by the leading of your spirit, we might learn to walk in the way truth, and life of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Crossbridge, today we begin by identifying the dispute of my message. It's found right here in verse 17, where we find the people of Israel weary and disillusioned, questioning God's justice. They ask, where is the God of justice? This question, born out of their deep-seated doubts, resonates with us today as we navigate our own trials and uncertainties. The Hebrew word here translated as weary in our passage can elsewhere mean grieved and disgusted. The prophet's choice of word paints a very vivid picture for us of the people's condition. They're not merely tired. Under the weight of unresolved grievances and disgust, they have now become cynical. 
You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, how have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Doesn't this sentiment feel familiar? Haven't you also had moments when you've looked at the world and asked, where is the God of justice? Perhaps you have seen injustice in your workplace, in your schools, perhaps around the kitchen table. You may even find yourselves questioning the decisions and the projects that we have going on here at CBCGB. Like the people of Israel, you and I can also become weary and disillusioned. But let's take heart, for Malachi in his prophetic authority does not shy away from addressing this cynicism. His tone remains serious and solemn throughout, emphasizing the gravity of people's accusations and its consequences. He uses this rhetorical question, where is the God of justice, to provoke thought and underscore the themes of justice and judgment. This question is not meant to discourage us, but it's meant to lift and challenge us to reflect on our own understanding of God's justice. You see, dealing with doubts and disputes is a critical part of our faith journey. Verse 17 offers us a deep insight into this process. Israel's questioning of God's justice provides a clear context for discussing the importance of addressing our doubts, uncertainties, and disputes. When we ignore these, it can lead to a hardened heart and estrangement from God, as it did to the people of Israel that we read in verse 17. As a church family, we are called to bring our doubts and disputes to God in prayer, trusting that He hears our cries and meets our needs. This practice known as lament is a meaningful way of expressing our doubts and concerns to God. It is not a cry of weak faith, but a prayer of deep trust in God's sovereignty and His justice. The primary Christian virtue in this verse is trust in God's justice. The people of Israel are questioning God's justice. They lack faith in His divine wisdom and sovereignty. Now, as Christians, we are called to trust God, even if we may not understand His ways. This trust is not passive, but we're called to be active and engaged. It involves bringing our doubts and disputes to God, seeking His wisdom, and committing to live in His way. What does, the, what does the psalmist say in Psalm 37? Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him, and He will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. This verse encourages us to commit our ways to the Lord, and engage Him in trust. And when we do, what are we given? We're given this assurance that God will act on our behalf and bring about justice. So I encourage us, Crossbridge, to bring our doubts and disputes to God in prayer. Remember that our God is a God of justice, and He hears our cries and meets our needs. Let us live by faith, waiting upon His wisdom and deliverance.
we now look at Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, and we move into the heart of my message. This passage serves as a beacon of hope to us, a promise from God Himself. It speaks of a messenger who will come, who will prepare the way for a profound spiritual transformation. It's a promise of God's refining love, a love that transforms, purifies, and brings us closer to His holy and, di and divine ways. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire. And like fuller soap, he will sit as a refiner and the purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. In verse 1, we encountered this term, messenger, translated from this Hebrew word, malach, which can also mean angel. And in this way, it, it, we clearly read this as a prophecy, a divine promise of the coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, we read in the phrase, the Lord you are seeking, it reflects this deep longing for, of our own hearts. It suggests that we, like the people of Malachi's time, are in a quest for both God's presence and His justice. We yearn for His presence in our lives, in our families, and right here in this community. Verse 2 introduces us to this metaphor, these two metaphors, Refiner's fire and fuller's soap. It's a form of laundry detergent. These are powerful images of purification and of cleansing refinement. Imagine a piece of gold ore. In its native state, it's full of impurities, but you apply heat and you drive off those impurities. It's full of impurities, but when it's subjected to that refiner's fire, they are burned off, leaving only pure gold. And similarly, when our clothes are dirty, we use soap and we wash away the dirt stains, leaving our clothes clean and fresh. In the same way, God's refining process in our lives drives off those impurities and washes away our sins, leaving us pure and righteous in God's sight. You see, this rhetorical question but who can endure the day of his coming is meant as a wake-up call. It implies the severity and intensity of God's judgment. It reminds us that God's refining process isn't a walk in the park. It's like the heat of a refiner's fire or the scrubbing of launderer's soap. It can be painful and often is sometimes leaving us wonder, can we endure this process? But it's necessary for our spiritual growth and maturity. Now, consider the trials and challenges that you face right now. Can you see them as opportunities? Do you see them as opportunities for spiritual growth and refinement? Can you trust in God's plan even when the fire is turned up high. 
We read in 1 Peter 4, 12 to 13, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. Be very glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it is revealed to the world. This verse encouraged us to view our trials as part of a shared experience with Christ, leading us to rejoice in anticipation of that time we share in His glory. The phrase fiery trials underscores that intensity. While the call to be very glad, however surprising it may be, underscores the intensity of those, um, underscores the joy and the glory that await us in the revelation of Christ. You see, the prophecy of the coming messenger, Jesus Christ, who will purify and refine his people, is a reminder to us for the need of spiritual refinement within our church community. Just as John the Baptist prepared the way for the coming of Jesus by calling people to repentance, we too are to prepare our hearts for the return of Christ. This preparation involves personal repentance. Increased dedication to both prayer and Scripture, and a commitment to live righteously. How are we doing? In essence, preparing for the coming of Christ is about aligning our lives with God's will and purpose. It's about seeking God to refine and purify us, removing anything that hinders our relationship with Him, and growing in righteousness and holiness. Now, you see, this isn't something you'll do for the next week. It's a lifelong process, but it's one that brings us closer to God and prepares us for His coming. This is how founder and director of Eternal Perspective Ministries puts it. Randy Alcorn writes, Once you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, being ready to meet the Lord means living in a way that pleases Him so that whenever He calls you home, no, and knowing that could be any time, you can hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because we can see God's plan for Israel fulfilled in the coming of John the Baptist and then Jesus, we can trust in God's plan for us. We can trust that God is working in our midst and he is working for us, refining us, purifying us, and preparing us for his return. We can trust that God is using these trials and challenges in our lives to mold and shape us into the people we are to become. Now, don't miss these two Christian virtues in these verses, repentance and purification. The coming messenger is described as a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap, symbolizing this process, though painful at times, of purification that begins with repentance. As Christians, we are called continually to turn away from sin and seek God's forgiveness and redemption. Let us strive to uphold this Christian virtue in our lives, trusting in God's plan, knowing that Jesus Christ is returning as a refining fire and as fuller soap. And let us prepare our hearts for that return, living lives of righteousness and integrity, serving God and others with love and humility.
And now we have arrived at my third and final point, the threshold of a profound promise here in verses 4 and 5. Picture it as standing at the edge of a grand vista, looking out over the landscape of God's righteous judgments. You see, these verses assure us that God will judge those who do what? Do evil. They also promise that the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will become pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and the years of ancient times. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. Then I, God, will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourners. So, and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. When we read that phrase, I will draw near to you for judgment, it's as if we can hear the echo of God's promise to judge. We need not take this as a threat, but we ought to take it as a promise of justice. Imagine, if you will, a time when you have been wronged and you have felt that sting of injustice. You see, in our human courts, justice may seem sometimes elusive, but in God's court, every wrong will be righted, every injustice addressed. Malachi's tone remains authoritative and prophetic throughout. He urges us again and again to examine our actions and our attitudes. He uses this metaphor of trial to shape the meaning of these verses for us. A trial, is it not a process of examination and of judgment? And in this case, it's our lives that are being examined and our actions that are being judged. Now, we need not be afraid, but this is an invitation to reflect and to repent. The lesson here is that God's justice is perfect and living in accordance with His ways will lead to a life that is pleasing to Him. Prosperous, don't we want that? This impending judgment should motivate us to examine our actions and our attitudes, particularly towards the church's recent decisions and things that seem confusing to us. Just as a student prepares for an exam or an athlete trains for competition, we too should prepare for this divine examination by living lives of righteousness and holiness. You see, my message today orbits around these biblical virtues, principally of holiness. The pursuit of holiness is a journey that each of us are called to embark upon as followers of Christ. It's a journey marked by reverence, by obedience, and awe of God. It's a journey that is cultivated through worship, through prayer, and the study of His Word. We read in Daniel, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Now, consider 
the example of Daniel, a man of great faith who was taken into captivity in Babylon. Despite being in a foreign land, surrounded by a foreign custom and culture and beliefs, Daniel remained committed to his pursuit of holiness. He refused to defile himself on the king's food, choosing instead to eat vegetables and drink water. If I were a youth, I would find that extremely a hard thing to do. But he prayed three times a day, even when it was against the law. Daniel's pursuit of holiness was not a one-time act, but a daily commitment to live according to God's ways and commands. Our offerings to the Lord, whether they be our time, our talents, our tithes, should be given in righteousness. They should be given out of a heart that is in awe of God and committed to obeying Him. This is the kind of offering that is pleasing to God. Malachi um, 3 verses 4 to 5 also highlights God's concern for justice, particularly for those who are on the edges, who are vulnerable in our society. As followers of Christ, we are called to stand up for justice to defend the rights of the hired worker, the widow, the fatherless, and the sojourner. This is our part in the pursuit of holiness. Micah 6.8 reads, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. In so few words, Micah captures what God requires of us to do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with Him. This verse serves as a practical guide for you and for me to live a life that pleases God. Crossbridge, let's be encouraged to exemplify Christ's example of trust in God, His justice, and let us commit to righteous living. Let's uphold that Christian virtue in the pursuit of holiness as a way for preparing for this call. Remember, our ultimate identity is in Christ, and it is His standards of holiness that we are called to meet. In the midst of our current challenges, let us not lose sight of our call to holiness. Let us continue to live in reverence, obedience, and awe of God. And let us support one another. We cannot do this alone. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. For it is in our pursuit of holiness that we become more like Christ. And it is in becoming more like Christ that we fulfill our purposes as his believers. Crossbridge, as we conclude, remember we are a family journeying together, bound by Christ's love. We're not alone in our doubts and our disputes, and surely not alone when we pursue God in holiness. We're united, we're committed to trusting God's justice, and let us choose to live righteously. When doubts arise, let's hold on to that promise that we read of a 
refining messenger. Jesus has come, and He will help us to purge these impurities. Our trials, like fire is to gold, refine us, making us more like Christ. These are not meant as burdens, but as opportunities for growth, maturing, and transformation. In our faith journey, let's embody this repentance, purification, and holiness. Let's be steadfast, will we not, like Daniel, living according to God's commands, even when it's challenging, even life-threatening. Let's strive to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. Our offerings, whether time, talents, or tithes, should be given with a cheerful heart in righteousness from a heart in awe of God. And our ultimate identity is in Christ. We aim to meet His standards of holiness, not the standards that we dare impose, lest we become like the Pharisees. You see, it's in our pursuit of holiness that we become more like Christ. So let's continue to support one another in this journey because it is in unity, it's in love, and it's in Christ that we find our strength. Join me in prayer. Father God, as we step forward, guide us to trust your justice, embrace your refining fire, and commit to righteous living. May our lives reflect your love, and may our actions honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.